This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, and welcome again to the future of finance, the podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. Thanks again for taking time out. This is Peter Horowitz with Motive Partners. I'm here with Romy Stein from Open Legacy. Thank you so much, Romy, for your presentation this morning. It's fascinating to hear how Open Legacy is helping banks encapsulate their legacy systems and making them available. So to start, can I trouble you to share how did you come to Open Legacy and how did you decide to attack this particular business problem? Hi, Peter, and thank you. Nice nice being here. Thank you for the invite. Well, we started a while back, a few years ago, with my friend uh, Roy Moore, the CTO and co-founder. Essentially, uh, the Eureka came in Roy's mind, and I've been many years in the uh, IBM uh, ecosystem, worked for many years for the uh, IBM uh, corporate, and essentially it was very clear that we're onto something very unique. And the problem of uh, dealing with on-premise and monolithic applications and legacy is not something new. It's something that has always been there. In fact, every generation there is a new system of engagement, but you tend to have the same systems of records. So in that perspective, finding kind of a new way of cracking and accessing those core backend applications was something that uh, was unique. So that's the problem, cracking the legacy core banking systems. In your presentation earlier today, you showed the stack of what it takes to break through to them today and how open legacy you know, reduces that stack to a much, much smaller, uh, faster effort. I know you can't share the secret sauce, but in essence, how is Open Legacy able to crack that code? When we look at most of our clients and a lot of the financial services uh, companies in, uh, in there, uh, we typically see kind of what used to be called a service-oriented architecture or the middleware stack, where essentially you have multiple layers of technologies on top of your core backend applications from connectors and messaging and orchestrations and data flows. And eventually, you end up having to go through several different technologies, several different products, just in order to generate a digital service end-to-end from your core backend system up to the digital channel it's being consumed or the API gateway is also known. And that is a process that we see clients go again and again, regardless if they're doing it in 2018 or they did it in 2000. So essentially, the same middleware stack is still the one that clients have been using traditional for the past couple of decades. And we think that that approach was good at the time but it's not a digital first approach. And if I will spend another minute on that approach, I would also mention that the typical timeframe we see enterprise, especially financial services, is somewhere around six months or three months to deliver a single business process from those core backend applications up to the digital uh, layer, so to speak. What we offer is a total different approach where essentially we provide a distributed architecture instead of the monolithic one that I've just described. And we help encapsulate, automatically encapsulate the business processes that run in the backend systems into micro-applications or microservices. And those microservices or micro-applications are essentially all based on the latest Java technology stack. So think about them as Java SDK. So you're elevating the problem and bringing, essentially decoupling those business processes into micro-applications that now could be easily extended and adding new business logic, the same like you would do for your new workloads, just plain Java or whatever business logic that you would like to use. So Open Legacy will provide the layer 
to the digital services, whether it's mobile or, or web or whatever, uh, whatever comes in the future, augmented reality as well now. But it's also looking inward into each of the legacy applications that needs to be encapsulated. The way I think about it, correct me if I'm wrong, if I have this 30-year-old COBOL program has tens if not hundreds of functions, what you're essentially doing is giving the outside world access to the individual functions inside that COBOL zombie. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. It's a fair description. Essentially, think about it that uh, we help kind of take those monolithic applications, legacy, COBOL, running on mainframe or S400 or SAP or Oracle, whatever is the business logic running there and encapsulated. Uh, we essentially turn it into a data source. So by encapsulating and automatically generating a microservice or a micro application out of that business asset, because essentially we think about them in terms of business processes, business asset. We're not thinking about them from a transactions necessarily perspective, but what do they are used for and what exactly is the metadata that we need to expose and deliver as a microservice. And that's how we kind of uh, approach those backends and enable that fast automatically generation into kind of microservices all in an open environment, which becomes very easy to do what a lot of clients are now looking into continuous integration, continuous delivery, because essentially now you are dealing with code. So think of us as we are an automatic software factory that generates code for those backend applications, essentially encapsulating those COBOL programs and what have you into a simple Java entities or micro applications. You mentioned what I'll call the usual list of suspects, COBOL and Oracle, monolithic databases from X number of years ago where little or no documentation and the, and the people who created it and designed it are, are long gone. Have there been any of the, the zombies that you've met that you haven't been able to encapsulate? Or you you can conquer all zombies? <laughs> uh, well, I, I would not commit that we can conquer all zombies before meeting all of them. But I, I, but I would say that we have met quite a few interesting zombies. And, and typically, even sometimes the zombies are proprietary on-prem uh, zombies that are only relevant for a certain customers. We see a lot of homegrown applications. And the way we deal with touching those through kind of the metadata and going directly kind of to the native using the most uh, basic protocols, communicating with those underlying assets, we have developed a framework that enables us to kind of access those backend zombies, if you will, backend processes sure. in a very consistent manner, in a very native manner. So once you've encapsulated it, that application is expected to continue to run just as it was before. But in addition to that, you're able to, on a near real-time basis, if not real-time, use those business assets for the support of digital applications at the same time so that you don't have to wait till the end of the day to update a batch process. You're automatically making sure that all the files are updated from a swipe a card or a mobile right. uh, entry. Yeah, exactly. In fact, we, we are a great believer in digital first strategy, which is all about real time in that perspective. So I think a lot of the world has been kind of in the past, the traditional solutions have been more asynchronic and kind of going through messaging and latency. And, uh, and today, probably it's less relevant to get 24 hours later uh, a message that uh, your action on day such and such, uh, we just received them or there was an error. Today, everyone uses the API economy. Yeah, my teenage daughters, uh, it's enough for them to touch the, the screen on their mobile. And if it doesn't react, then they move on or they touch again. So it's in this kind of uh, speed and velocity, you cannot really wait for an asynchronic, especially when it gets to 
your core applications. So what we essentially offer is actually exactly that, a real-time digital services delivery from your core backend systems, because essentially we are breaking the problem into two phases. Uh, phase one is when we design the stuff. So we our platform is essentially has a design phase to it, where that's where the developers, uh, the clients, or the partner kind of work on our software to on our ID integrated development environment to uh, identify the backend processes, the business processes that needs to be handled or sourced and develop and extend and add the additional uh, capabilities. But we solve that problem in the design time. So in the runtime, essentially when things go into production very, very fast in a matter of days on average, on the runtime environment, there is no computation. There is no calculation like in a lot of the enterprise service bus and messages that are still kind of running in, in today's environment where essentially there is a lot of compute that goes in in real time. In our case, in real time, you actually have, sorry for being technical, a compiled Java object that runs, so highly secured. And in that perspective, there's no latency and there's no computation to figure out which backend asset to bring and, and what activity or transaction to uh, deliver. That's all been solved on the design time. And on the runtime, you have very fast real-time execution. So from what you just said, again, you've changed the way I was thinking a bit about, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, Open Legacy, where in a in addition to encapsulating legacy zombies, if a bank chooses to leave their legacy in place and open up a new bank sitting on new technology, open legacy still can play a role. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we do have a couple of clients uh, that in this world, I think the coexistence is probably the most uh, pervasive or the most common theme that we are seeing because very rarely an existing back can, can start from scratch and ignore their legacy. In fact, if they ignore their legacy, they're ignoring their tradition or their, their competitive uh, advantage. That, that's their competitive advantage, their customer base, their understanding of their business processes. So what we enable, of course, uh, is a lot of time provide that bridge, if you will, so they can, of course, run the new workloads or build new stuff, and they can do it very easily on our platform, which is open, and so adding all the new capabilities on one hand. On the other hand, you can integrate to your existing backend uh, monolithic on-prem applications that you're still running. That is a typical, I would say, uh, scenario, the coexistence. Maybe it's important to highlight uh, two things. <laughs> One, it's not just about mainframe and zombies and legacy. We, we do have clients that have Oracle and SAP and, and other more newer type kind of uh, workloads that, or applications that people say, oh, that's not legacy. Essentially, every business program that runs in a monolithic on-prem is a legacy in that perspective for us, and, and we enable that fast access and, and generation of microservices on top of that. So breaking the monolith without re-architecture, essentially the monolith. Uh, so that's phase one or, or option one. And of course, uh, option two is when clients want to move gradually to the new new digital bank, either by using their initially their existing services from their core backends, we enable that, of course, but over time, gradually, if they really want to disconnect from the legacy, that's also something we can help and support through kind of a hollowing the core or a phase migration, because essentially we have encapsulated and generated microservices and kind of provided a new decoupling or digitally decoupling layer of their backend processes. So now they can take a seat back for a second, take a, a breath. Now that they've delivered the digital services, now figure out which services they now want to replace on their backend systems, but they already have the digital decoupling kind of capabilities presented through the open legacy platform. And now they could probably, you know, bigger ease, if that perspective or with a greater ease, I, I should say, uh, can figure out what elements of their legacy they would like to phase out gradually. 
So again, from your presentation, it's clear that you're you know in a significant growth phase. Banks are different stages of POCs and pilots and implementations. So it's great news and, and congratulations on the success. Question: You're at a certain place with the features and functions of Open Legacy. What do you see as next? What are the next plateaus that you want to, or, or business problems you wish to attack? Great question. Thank you for that. And, and we are seeing kind of a, a strong traction and more interest. I think uh, the market is also evolving uh, the concept of microservices and, and looking for new ways of changing the status quo. I think it's becoming kind of a paramount for a mandatory for almost every bank that would like to kind of uh, grow. Uh, so in that perspective, we see a major opportunity for the coming years. But what we also are providing essentially is in one way, think about us as out of the box a microservices platform that comes very opinionated and ready to kind of run the entire microservices ecosystem that you are generating from your backend applications. Uh, so we might bring you the security, the ELK stack, which is a full analytics, if you will, capabilities, uh, discovery, configuration, API management, API gateway. So we provide a lot of those goodies out of the box. But we understand that every organization sometimes has their own playbook and a lot of times they want to use what they already have there. So we are very modular, like a Lego. So you can swap and decide which components would you like to kind of use. You can use our analytics, which will give you an end-to-end, -end, not just understanding of what happens on the front side, but also what truly happens on your back end, which is something that we see a lot of financial services are challenged with. And we are providing that kind of end-to-end -end as it's embedded in our platform. So definitely we see kind of an opportunity to continue to grow into the microservices space, continue to add kind of, I would say, also the DevOps capabilities that are coming more and more into the enterprise now, not just for the new stuff, but also for their mission critical stuff. So that's part of kind of where we are headed and we're already kind of doing for a lot of our clients. Excellent. So again, we've met a little while ago. You've made tremendous progress since then, which is not, not a short period of time. And I look forward to hearing and seeing you succeed in the coming months and years. Thank you so much for taking time with us. Of course. Uh, thank you, Peter. Glad to be here and looking forward for the next time. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motor partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.